0: Good day everybody, this is Zachary Kameen, The Curious Christian, and these are Curious Conversations. Do not sorrow. It seems better to me to finish the feuds as friends wreaking vengeance than sorrow in silence. We simply decide to abide and endure and exert valor always to find dignity in death. When his days are all done, the worthiest warrior, who is well-remembered, arise, royal king, let us realize glory, and tail the tracks of this terrible mother. Uh, This is a passage from uh, Beowulf, a translation by Pastor Douglas Wilson. And it is a good reminder from an old Anglo-Saxon story, the oldest Anglo-Saxon story, that I think that we have in, at least in its entirety. And it has been argued that it's been written uh, more than likely by a Christian. Uh, Now the question becomes the audience whether it was written for Christians or was it written uh, to the unbelieving world. Uh, I would say it's a bit of both. You read it. Uh, I mean, if it's in schools, you can assume that it's a bit of both. Uh, I would say it is written by a Christian who knew who he was talking to, which is everybody. But the message still stands. It is better to wreak vengeance than it is to sit in sorrow. Therefore, uh, we will continue, uh, whether the culture wants us to shut up or not, we will continue, whether or not... uh, The world wants us to or not our our warfare our weapons uh, do not stop just because the enemy tells us to say uncle if the culture itself the world itself starts to say uncle and wants us to stop because it's running and it's tucked tail and running then we can decide then whether we can abate. But for right now, there is a monster of a mother in our midst. A toxic matriarchy, as it were. A monster of epic proportions. Uh, this is... This is... Uh, I don't want to say that these are dangerous times, but it is a strange time. Uh, It is a foreign time when everything that one says can be not falsified but discredited. Uh, That is the language of the experts now. They don't say that something has been falsified, proven false. They say it's been discredited, which means that they won't even give it the light of day. They don't take it seriously. Uh, The uh, founders of my country, the uh, American, Uh, country, the Union of States, is created by Christian men, uh, for Christian men, and it was made for no other. Uh, This is the uh, stance of BLM, this is the stance of uh, most anti-American and conveniently enough anti-Christian organizations, usually Marxist organizations. Uh, And sometimes I would wish to mess with them and say, well, how would you define a Christian? How would you define an American? Realize they can't define those terms adequately, and then I say, oh, so you're not talking about me. Got it. Uh, No. My favorite president, John Adams, made the very shrewd and insightful point that this nation this country, this union, this government, this governance, this magistrate, uh, was made for a moral and religious people, and no other would suffice. And that is seeming to bear true. It appears that he was correct. I would go even further to say, that this form of government does not work unless one is born again. Free speech does not work without free men. Free speech does not work when there are people in bondage, free speech does not work when you are uh, considering your flesh in your words. Uh, how? How I know this? is now we have the term hate speech. Uh, we have the term which which is uh, the blasphemy codes. Uh, there is no such thing as absolute free speech. Uh, even the most anarchist among us will not appreciate uh, if I started calling them baby killers, or, uh, uh, hmm, how should I put it? Uh, they they just won't appreciate if I start using uh, derogatory language. I I would like this podcast to actually uh, be heard, and I don't want it censored. Uh, you don't want, uh, even they will get up in arms if somebody says something they don't like. And since anarchists tend to think that they are the standard, and they're just like, well, that's a standard. Because you are imposing that morality that there is no standard. Uh, and you're like, well, we don't impose it. It's like, okay. Uh, when. You see a preacher on the street uh, decla- you're calling people to repentance lest the wrath of God befalls them. There are almost always anarchists and they uh, Christian sympathizers who will rebuff uh, this preacher, the street preacher and uh, it is a part of their moral code. If somebody does this then I do this. It is a action and a response. You may not think that a government should do it, but that's not what anarchy is. Anarchy just believes that you shouldn't have somebody at the top doing it. Uh, anarchy and vigilanteism go hand in hand. You think that you can put justice in your own hands. Uh, and you think that this is morally justified. Uh, depending on what your premises are, and you're pushing that morality upon people. Uh, this That's an, a relatively, not extremes extreme, but you see it with the riots that happened last summer. Uh, not just the riots themselves, where the rioters uh, saw it as appropriate to Destroy two billion dollars worth of real estate, merchandise, and people's livelihoods, and justify it for reasons uh, that don't matter in themselves, but the fact that they justify it means that what they're doing is abnormal it, it is something that needs a justification there are people uh, who are in the media uh, or on news channels on uh, Fox News, CBS, NBC, CNN MSNBC, all the places, who sought to justify, lessen, uh, somehow explain, explain away uh, the impact and the abnormality and the immorality of uh, rioting. and they would say well we've in one sense they would say well it, we're allowed to do a freedom of assembly stuff like that um, I don't want to pick on people too much on here but it, I, it seems to me uh, from all my reading um, I do need to do a A podcast episode on John Tyler, of whom has taken the mantle as the worst president, of which I've read about thus far. Uh, It would seem to me that our view of protest and our view of assembly and whatnot has become more influenced by the French revolutionaries and the Russian revolutionaries than the American protesters the uh, American protesters who at first sought a common ground with uh, Parliament of England, then decided to say, forget it, it's not going to work, alright, we'll just we're declaring our independence. Uh, It was not with much grievance when we did that. Uh, We did not smear the English as being English supremacists or Anglo supremacists. Uh, we had our grievances. We wrote them out, and uh, some were argued against. Some were rebuffed. Some were laughed at by a Parliament and the uh, King George. Nevertheless, uh, we had sought every avenue, every olive branch, every uh, seeking of counsel, seeking of grievance, before we did that, before we went to war. And we did it on our land. Uh, we didn't go to England to and destroy. Uh, English settlement stuff <clears throat> We kept the war over here. It was a war of attrition as it were uh, Which in one sense is different than uh, what happened in France uh, France long before The French Revolution Had a long history of rioting a long history of of violent protests, a long pro- long history of uh, vandalizing property so as to make a point, blowing stuff up. Uh, this is not the American form of protest. Uh, this is not what... Uh, Which which would also mean that it's not an English form of protest. Now I get that we are a wily and wooly bunch, or uh, cheeky folks here in the States, but we used to uh, check our cheekiness at the protest doors. That's why we have such large town halls so that we can do town hall meetings. That's why we have such large doors for the town halls, for the courtrooms, for the church rooms. Now, the this is the these are the problems. Now, what I here's what I'm not saying. The action that we are to take to seek cultural change, to seek justice, to seek the betterment of our neighbor and society as a whole is to start with standing against the tyrants. Now how do you do that? Well, start with not being a tyrant in your own life. How do you govern yourself? Are you uncontrollable? Do you need a tyrant? Do you act like a slave in need of a master? Do you act like somebody that needs a a good flogging now and then? Or do you uh, beat your flesh to the death yourself? Do you calm your passions? Do you put to death your worldly passions? Are you controlling yourself as it were? Do you have self-governance? Are you a freed man? Are you born again? Are you a child of God? Are you a Christian? Uh, If the answer is uh, yes to all those things, then uh, perfect. Um, Then that is the first step. You need to govern yourself. You need to control yourself. You need to control your passions. You need to uh, keep yourself from uh, falling. Uh, certainly into sin, but but uh, more immediately into lawlessness. Don't be an anarchist. Be a libertarian, that's fine, but a libertarian is not an anarchist. Uh, they're freedmen and want to be treated as such. Uh, a libertarian can have a, it's not preferable, a libertarian can have a monarch Whole system underneath. As long as the monarchy is uh, treating them as slaves and is treating them as freedmen, they don't really give a crap. As far as I'm understanding of libertarianism, at least uh, Christian libertarianism, uh, secular libertarianism has that anarcho bent to it, Uh, but. I mean, secular libertarians probably deserve a tyrant. The uh, the libertine probably deserves the lash. The libertarian, the freedman, who believes that uh, prosperity. Goodness in a society, in a culture, in a political environment is best founded when all the men are born again, when all the men are freed from sin, when all the men are Christians in Christ, in the way. Uh, That this is the best way. That uh, there is no king but Christ. King Jesus is that king. And we're to bow our knee to him. Uh, Why is it good that this would be the case? This is good because uh, it would take a lot of burden off of the civil magistrate. Let us not be coy, my friends. The civil magistrate is stressed out by um, the people in which they had been elected to govern being ungovernable. And in one sense, it's their fault. But in another sense, it's our fault. We're the ones who elected them to do something about things, of which they had no right to to do anything about. And then we lose our minds when they try to do the things that we elected them to do. Uh, And then we complain that they get paid too much. Well, when was the last time you had to make decisions for uh, 300 million people? Shoot, when was the last time you had to make decisions for uh, 30 people? And how much did you get paid uh, to make decisions and represent those 30 people? And if it is uh, more than a 10 millionth than what they get paid, then you get paid too much. The representatives that we have, if you go back onto a previous podcast, you'll know that I believe that the house reps can be as radical and as nuts as they want. That's what it's there for. Uh, I want QAnon and BLM spokespeople in the house of reps. I want Pentecostals uh, Buddhists, Muslims, uh, Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, uh, atheists, anti-theists—all uh, the people can be in there. I don't care. If they—if they're there representing the people, uh, that's that's the point. Uh, representing their people, uh, they're representing their district. Uh, a, A good point of reference of a politician who, despite his own personal views, represented his district well, was a guy by the name of James Madison. You know, I'll go into this real quick and this will be the last uh, bit uh, and this is a uh, evidence of the benefits of gerrymandering uh, but I won't get into that either I've already done a uh, episode uh, earlier on it uh, called uh, rat effing uh, based off of a book called rat based off of a book that's uh, by that name. But James Madison was gerrymandered by Patrick Henry in his district. Uh, James Madison was a a federalist. He was a strong central federal government guy. Uh, He was a nationalist, as it were. He believed in a strong central government And he wrote the Constitution as such. Uh, If you read the Constitution, it has a lot of power in it with the expectation of having more. Patrick Henry, who had the luxury of uh, being able to draw up the districts in Virginia, drew James Madison's district square in the middle and gerrymandered the crap out of the district so that it was like 85% or more uh, of the people who were anti-Federalists, anti-big government, anti-nationalism. Uh, and he, in hopes, he, of course, that uh, John, James Madison would lose. You know, the guy who drafted the Constitution would then lose. Well, James Madison promised his constituents that despite his own personal views, that there was nobody better in that district to represent them to the nation's capital than him. Since one, he wrote the the document of which governs the whole nation, so at least he actually understands it and two, he promised them a draft of amendments uh, to be heard the first day of the first Congress. Uh, And this is exactly what happened. He uh, had drafted, I believe it was uh, 12 amendments, two of which... uh, were taken off, and now we have our Bill of Rights. And what stymies uh, the big government from being bigger than it most definitely could be is that pesky Tenth Amendment that says that any laws that are not in any laws or forms of governance that are not in expressly in the constitution are to be uh, given over to the states the states are to decide on them. and this has been the state rights whole situation And people roll their eyes at it, it's like, well, you want to roll your eyes at it, well, then that means you have to get rid of the Tenth Amendment. And there's people that would love to. But until there's, as long as there's a Tenth Amendment, uh, thank you, Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. As long as there's a Tenth Amendment, then the discussion of states' rights will be talked about and must be taken seriously as long as there's a First Amendment, then freedom of speech must be heard and must be taken seriously. As long as there's a second, you know, you get the point. Uh, But my last point on all this is as long as there are Christians in this country, as long as there are Men who are born again in this nation, or in this union, I should say, as long as there's that, then we can continue with the foundations. But as I believe Isaiah puts it, if the pillars are shaken, then who can stand? Take care, guys. Blessings. And as always, drink your coffee. Come to Jesus. Take care.